Welcome to another episode of the Get Your Edge podcast. I am your host, Brian Bott from Sports Advantage in the Madison area. And this is episode 68 of the Get Your Edge podcast. Hard to believe we've been at this well over a year. This is a Q&A version of our podcast. Obviously, we have our Sharpening the Edge version that we do, uh, where we pick a couple topics from some of our guests to go over. We also have our guests that we bring on. And we also have Coach Manchi, who we'll bring on in a second, where we talk training and things like that. So, Coach, how are we doing? How are things over there in Maker Nation? Yeah, everything's going great, Brian. I just love summer training. It's just, it's just different. You know, the kids are in school for, for the majority of the year, and then you got some summer, and you got a lot more sun out. You got more daylight, and there's so many more things to do. It just seems like you can uh, interact with the kids a little bit more. You got a little bit more time on your hands. You can develop some relationships and really find out more about your athletes. And I know it's hard with our numbers, Brian, but right. you know, probably well over 400 just boys training alone. It, it's you're always just go, 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 go. But it, it's a great time as coaches. We get a little bit more time on our hands. We can spend some more family time, which I think that's so important because I do believe you know, all coaches and, and teachers and people that are dealing with the coaching profession probably lose out on a lot of that time once school starts. Yep. And I'm really excited because, you know, the feedback we're getting on these questions and answers of podcasts are awesome. And it's been a lot of fun doing this because it really gets us to think. And it really is very interesting to see what our viewers are kind of looking for too. And some of the things that they are looking at far as their end and what can help their programs. And that's why we're doing this podcast is people, please reach out, reach out with tons of questions, answers and, and questions to us. And we will give you our answers. But then again, you know, take some of that knowledge and, and take it to your facility, your, your schools and, and try to better your programs. And that's just awesome because we know that people that are listening are taking it and are utilizing some of the information and our experiences more than anything. We're certainly not right in what we do, what we do and what we speak. We speak from the heart, Brian. Yep. I think we're both real genuine and we get a lot of those people that listen to our podcast. That is one of the reasons why they like to listen, because I think we are going to kind of tell it like we see it. And we know we, we really do it because our heart is in the right place. We want to help everybody that we are in contact with not only from a physical and mental standpoint of being able to perform better in their sport and hopefully reduce the chance of injury, but to really the better development of the person as a whole. Well, I think Dean, you know, when you talk about, you know, whether it's right or not, it, it may not be right for someone else, but it, it's right for us. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll give you the scenarios that work for us. We're an open book. Uh, we're not going to sit here and try and, and tell you one thing and do something else. What we tell you on the podcast is how we do things. Um, whether you like it or not, uh, it works for us. And I think a 70 game winning streak, um, I think, you know, being in, you know, multiple high schools with, you know, 11 and 0 football teams last year um, and multiple gyms, I think it's, you know, I think the proof's in the pudding that what we're telling you works for us. Um, but I think as a coach, you know, one of the best qualities that you need to have is adaptability is you have to take information and then put it in your, in your own situation. So uh, Fox Valley throws, Dean, obviously this podcast is airing, you know, kind of mid-July, so you're kind of in the mix now of your second session, but um, Fox Valley Throws, let's get a little plug in there. How are you guys firing it this summer? We're really having a great time. You know, get great coaches, just like always, that are willing to help the kids, and 
And I believe a, the summertime is a huge separator for kids to get that competitive advantage. And, and uh, that's, there, there's no doubt that I've seen big time improvements from kids that come to them sessions. And it's very important that then they put the work in, they hold themselves accountable and they take the knowledge and they act on the knowledge and then continue to put that time in. That's fantastic. And our summer programs at Sports Advantage and our high schools are going awesome. Uh, we're, we're, what we're doing with some of the schools, I think, is working well because we have some kids from some of our high schools that are asking to come to our gyms to get extra work in. And I think that's one of the most unique things that we do at our gyms is, yes, we encourage you to be at your high school training, being around your teammates, but we will accommodate you based on your needs, not our wants, on your needs. And so I think that's one of the things that we've really honed in on. I think it's a separator for what we do versus what other places do. We're not sitting here telling you, no, we'll do it better than your high school coach. Obviously, I believe that we do. But at the end of the day, we believe that you should be with your high school coaches in some capacity, with your teammates, building those relationships. But at the end of the day, a lot of kids want more, and we're willing to give you more. So, Dino, we uh, a couple weeks ago on Twitter, I put – um, out, hey, throw us some questions. We'd like to answer the questions. And, and we've got a ton of them that I've gotten DM'd. And so I picked some, some good ones here. I picked a, a couple of fun, you know, a fun one and, and, and a couple other ones that we can share some knowledge on. So we're going to hit these questions here um, and, and give our listeners some, some feedback on this. Uh, we appreciate you guys submitting them. You can submit them through our Instagram site, through our Twitter sites. You can, you can text me, you can email me, you can anything like that, Brian at sportsadvantage.com with questions. Um, let's fire these off, Dino. Question number one, and this is kind of a fun one here. You guys have been around many great athletes. Who is the most prominent athlete you have trained? And there's a corollary to this one, Dino. Um, second part to the question, and we'll answer the first part first, and then we'll answer the second part uh, after so back at it who is the most prominent athlete you've trained and then if you could pick someone to train who would it be and why Dino why don't you fire off who your most oh, prominent oh, oh. athlete these are this is going to be good we don't want to again we're not trying to hurt feelings here because Dino and I have trained thousands and thousands of athletes oh this is but, tough but try and pick one here for us <coughs> you know that it's and again, no disrespect to anyone because every athlete that I've had the opportunity to, to coach is, is, has made a huge impact on my life. And as I hope I just made some kind of impact on their life as well. But when we talk about most prominent athlete, I remember when I was a young strength coach, Brian, and there was a athlete named Darren Charles, who, you know, yeah, very well, because he ended up playing for the Wisconsin Badgers. He was a wide receiver down there, but he was a three sport athlete in high school and he did football and he was a wide receiver and really just extremely, extremely gifted. And he was just one, just, I had an unbelievable personality. He was just so fun to be around. And like, you know, a lot of those multi-sport athletes, especially those, you know, you start getting in a, at those times, basketball players, cause he was football and then he went basketball he was in basketball and, you know, weight room wasn't one of his things that he wanted to do. He wanted to play the sport and, and that that's what he loved to do. But it was one of those situations where it was such an educational experience because trying to give Darren the why back then, but why, 
you're going to enter the weight room and why you are going to work hard is, is something that's very important for me at that time to make sure I could relay that message to Darren. And I knew not only what is going to help him in that, that quick situation of being a better high school athlete, but I knew it would be something that he would be able to carry on once he left Oshkosh North High School. And then he was an individual that we thought could be an excellent track athlete. And it was very difficult as a football athlete and then a basketball. Now you're talking about, okay, let's do three sports. And now let's talk to an individual that's a freshman that has never done track before. And so it was very important to me that he trusted me as a coach and as a teacher to guide him. And we got him out for track and the freakiness of his athleticism really was displayed at a conference track meet, Brian, in which at the conference track meet, he set the records in the high jump, the triple jump and the long jump and never even took all of his jumps, Brian. So it was so fulfilling for me as a coach because one, he never even wanted to go out for track. And I didn't coach those events. I'm a throws coach. Right. I didn't coach, but it was the situation coaches that you got to understand is getting kids to get out of their comfort zone, give them a challenge. And he was a great athlete and he liked the challenge was something that he continually talks about today. And because he was such a great athlete, it was more so as he was going to be successful, Brian, if he didn't lift weights in high school or not. But by lifting weights and doing the training, he got to an unbelievable freaky level, all state and multiple sports, and ended up getting a scholarship and playing for the Wisconsin Badgers, in which that's when you knew Darren Charles at the time. But he is an avid podcast listener. He was so excited when we got this Get Your Edge podcast going. And I told him definitely we're going to get him on as well. He's living in L.A. right now. And uh, he did some modeling and has done some stuff. And, you know, Darren will be the first to tell you it was a situation at home where, you know, it was a, it was a tough situation. And, you know, he certainly could have took it a, taken a different avenue. And athletics was the difference maker in having him have so much success. Not only getting a degree, high school diploma, all the accolades of athletics, but getting a degree from the University of Wisconsin, having those friendships and having that experience of being a division one football player in the big 10. And then he's been very successful and talk about a guy that took a challenge. He moved out to LA and and did some modeling and did some other things, which, you know, was a chance for him. And he is so successful. And I'm so glad for our relationship. Every time that he does come into town, he just said he's going to be coming in in January. Uh, he wants to get together with not only myself, but some of the other coaches that made a huge impact on him. You know, Coach Hinsky yep. was his wide receiver coach, and, and there's many other coaches as well. And he just really appreciates what was done for him at the time. And I know that sometimes there's those struggles, right, where – Hey, I don't want to get a weight workout today. I just want to go and just relax, or I just want to go out and play basketball or, or whatever. And he's so thankful and so appreciative to everything now. And that's so rewarding as a coach today. 
Yeah, DC was a great, um, great athlete, uh, great person. And yes. really, I enjoyed, you know, working with him at Wisconsin as well. Um, so I've been thinking about this question for a while. And, and this one, you know, for me is a, a, it's a pretty tough one to answer. Um, you know, when you start looking at some of the guys that I've been fortunate enough to train and fortunate enough to work with, you know, multiple um, Heisman Trophy finalists, uh, multiple Outland Trophy winners, um, and just so many other great individuals, guys that went on to play in the NFL and win, you know, Defensive Player of the Year. And, you know, I'm, I'm stuck between two guys right now, and I still really haven't decided which one it's going to be um, because and for different reasons and at different times in my career, you know, um, so I'm going to I'm going to take a cop out here and I'm going to I'm going to put two of them out there. Um, and the first one is Joe Thomas. Um, Joe is such a special talent uh, because of his leadership ability and his work ethic. And you know, as great of an athlete as he was, he made himself into, you know, my, in my opinion, the best left tackle to ever play the game. I uh, second that, you know, not missing a snap for however many years and his attention to detail and things like that. But Joe was so special at the time, you know, he was kind of, I, I guess he would, I, I would say he was kind of breaking the mold of what linemen are now, you know, he was a big, strong athletic, you know, big and strong was always a part of the old lineman conversation, but he was really that first real athletic that could jump, that could sprint, that could change directions. And, and he was durable. And um, what made him so special though, was his leadership. Um, and what I was really fortunate to see, I mean, that was his team, his senior year. And, and so he, he is kind of one a for me and, and one B is, is, is number three now for the, or I think he's number three for the Denver Broncos, Russell Wilson. And, and the reason I put Russell in there is because I've never seen a guy that could come into a new situation and just really command the room, really command um, respect uh, for how he did things. And, you know, we talk about adversity. We talk about having big dreams all the time on our podcast. Russell was, is living proof of that. Um, don't ever tell him there's something he can't do. Um, height was, was not an obstacle for him. It was a reason why he was going to be successful. And, <clears throat> you know, his work ethic uh, when I was with him at Wisconsin was unmatched. I mean, he, you know, always find time to get extra work in. And, you know, just incredible leadership ability. And then what he's been able to do in the NFL um, as, as a professional is not only uh, make himself into a great football player, but also an incredible businessman. Um, so he's been able to take, you know, lessons that he learned as an athlete and apply that to business because he's extremely successful as a business person as well. Um, and so those two guys for me, uh, and, and, you know, are just, you know, two of the many guys, but I think for a couple different reasons, I, I would have to put those two in my, in my bag. And, uh, you know, there's so many other, other guys out there and, you know, to all my old line guys, you know, I apologize <laughs> that, you know, 
and, and things like that. But I, I think those two for me are, are the two that really have impacted me and, and hopefully I've impacted them. But the second part of this conversation, Dean, is really cool. Um, if you could pick someone to train, who would it be and why? And before I pick my person, my, you know, the three people I would pick would be my kids, but I get to train them and I've gotten to train them um, because those are the three kids, though there's the three people that I want to impact the most from, from what I do. And hopefully not just from a lifting standpoint, but from a impact on their life. But if I got to train one person um, and really get after it with this person and be the rock, um, I would love to be able to spend three months, six months, the rest of my career training, you know, Dwayne Johnson, because um, I don't think there's a challenge that I could come up with that he wouldn't take um, in the weight room. And he's already got that. He does, you know, he probably doesn't need anyone, but I would love to test, you know, some of the things that I would like to do and just see how his body would respond. Um, and training a guy like that, um, you know, because you can tell that he loves being in the weight room. You wouldn't have to, you wouldn't have to motivate him. And that's kind of the thing. That's kind of the reason why I picked him. Um, you, you wouldn't have to motivate him. It'd just be, okay, you know, what can I do to this guy to make him a better version of himself? And so, um, you know, and I love his energy drink Zoe as well. So, you know, if I'm training him, I'm assuming that I get to drink those with him as well. So, um, but I would love to get my hands on the rock and train him and get after it with him in the iron paradise um, and see what he can do. Dino, what about you? If you could pick someone to train, who would it be and why? Well, Brian, you know, you're a little different situation because in that private setting, you, your numbers are a lot less and you have more of that one-on-one -on -one interaction or that really that small group interaction. And myself being a teacher and being an educator, you know, my situation is I, I can't wait to train whoever wants to get better and whoever is consistent, regardless of whatever God-given ability they have. But anybody that wants to come in, regardless of whatever sport, that is going to be consistent because, you know, you have to respect our knowledge and respect our time. And obviously, some people just maybe are there because they have to be there. But when they're consistent and they're going to show up all the time, those are the individuals that are going to get the most attention. And that's kind of the way of it, it's always been. You know, you be consistent and I'm going to give you everything you got, but you have to be consistent. Correct. And, you know, training isn't uh, one week we train, three weeks we're off, one week it's got to be consistent. And any of those kids that come in and they want that blue collar approach and they're hungry to get better. And, and improve their brain and their body, I'm all in. That's awesome, Dino. That's awesome. Um, all right, question number two. Uh, this one's going to be a fun one too. You guys talk about strength a lot and on the value of what strength is for your athletes. Why do you think strength development is so important for young athletes? Let me go first Ooh. on this one. Okay, so... What we're seeing in strength and conditioning is, um, unfortunately, it's becoming like political parties um, in government, okay? You have speed guys and you have strength guys, which 
I completely disagree with. You need to be both guys. Okay. And I think at the end of the day, where and why I value strength so much is it allows athletes that may or may not have the genetic disposition to catch up. And let me give you an example here, Dean. I've got two athletes, same age. Okay. Uh, one weighs 175 pounds, one weighs 135 pounds. Okay. One plays volleyball and one's a thrower. One plays basketball and is a track runner jumper. Okay. The athlete that weighs 175 pounds squats between 235 to 240, which means the strength to rate strength to body weight ratio is 1.4 ish. The other athlete that weighs 135 pounds, um, their squat is 165, which puts the strength to body weight ratio at about 1.1 ish, somewhere in that area. My math may be a little off. Same vertical jumps. All right. So the athlete that weighs 40 pounds more has the same vertical jump as the other athlete. Okay. The thrower, which is the heavier athlete, has a faster flying 10 right now than the athlete that is the sprinter, runner, jumper, and track. Okay. Her strength to body weight ratio allows her to dive into those power and speed numbers better because she's stronger. And we see this all the time. I, I can use Scott Starks as an example as well. Scott Starks was 160, 165 pounds at Wisconsin. All right. He squatted near 500 pounds. He was one of the fastest guys. All right. At Wisconsin that I've ever, his strength to body weight ratio is over three. All right. Yet he was five, eight and could still keep up with guys that are six foot six, one, um, and run faster than them in the 40. And we know, Dean, what's speed? Stride length plus stride frequency. All right. The reason he was able to run faster, all right, is because he could generate more stride frequency because of his force production into the ground. His stride length was not the same as a taller, longer guy. Okay. So strength will bump up all your other power speed numbers all right that's why i view strength okay as the great equalizer and the great separator in sports all right and i think we're in this mode unfortunately where you're either a speed per i go back to you, you're a speed person or strength person i think that's garbage you need to be both there's no reason why you wouldn't want to bump up absolute strength numbers all right for your speed athletes. For us using the conjugate, and I've shared this many times, Dean, with the conjugate method, all right, and with our jump sequencing, everything is based off the max squat or max box squat, your dynamic effort. If I box squat 200 pounds, my dynamic effort is going to be between 100 to 120, 50 to 60%. All right. If I box squat 300 pounds, those dynamic effort numbers move up from 150 to 180. So if I'm moving at 0.8 meters per second on my dynamic effort days, I'm creating more power because my max squat number is higher, which allows me to use higher weights at the same percentage of someone who uses it, who is, who has a lower squat number. So it all plays into each other. 
And I think we have to quit the close-minded thought process that the only way you get faster as a sprinter is to sprint. Okay. In the weight room, Dean, we know this. There are multiple ways for you to get stronger in the back squat or the deadlift. Okay. Your auxiliaries help you bump those up. Your areas of weakness you develop. Why can't we correlate that getting stronger is going to help you get faster? Okay. That's something that has to change. Brian, you made incredible points on, on the strength. And I, I totally agree with you on this. You know, it's, it's to the situation where, you know, on some of the social media is you got people that are just one way or the other. And let's, let's understand strength is the foundation for power. Yep. You have to be strong in order to be powerful per relative body weight. <coughs> I always look at, at Steph Curry, you know, he's one of the strongest I saw one of the strength coaches talking for the Golden State, he was at one time, and this was years ago, but he was pound for pound, one of the strongest guys on the Golden State Warriors there when they won, I think, believe their second NBA championship. And if you look at him, he doesn't look extremely strong. He doesn't look like a bodybuilder. He doesn't look like that. And I think sometimes, you know, when you talk strength, it kind of goes back to, of, okay, there's lots of different ways to develop strength. We, we learned a lot from the bodybuilders, right? You know, everybody that used to train, you know, the bodybuilding way, yes, the bodybuilding way did not work. The bodybuilding way did not work to increase athletic performance. However, where there are a lot of great things that strength and athletic enhancement coaches found out through bodybuilding that can help athletes. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, the holistic approach is, yeah, you know, in some sports, you got to put some armor on. Yeah. And it's very important to balance the front side and the back side of the body out, which is displayed big time in bodybuilding. So there is so many good things. But again, we can't just train athletes like bodybuilders. Then we look at the powerlifting world. Powerlifting is some great things about absolute strength. Absolutely. But if we just marry ourselves, to one thing, for example, like bodybuilding or powerlifting, that is going to or uh, Olympic it, lifting. What's that? Or Olympic lifting. Yes. And, and I was just going to get to Olympic oh. weightlifting, you know, but we talk powerlifting. Yeah, there's some great things for top end strength. But if we only do that, then we are going to hinder the athlete. But we've learned a lot of great stuff. Yeah, you need to be top end strong. And then talk about Olympic weightlifting, Brian, which we, we talked about Olympic weightlifting's got some great things that has been brought in to um, training athletes. And it's about, hey, moving things fast. And that's a dynamic, you know, effort that you do with the conjugate system. So there's different ways of being able to do it, but you have to have a holistic approach to train athletes. And I think that's why, that strength training has just evolved and taken off so much and why kids are freakier than ever. We have a sophomore right now that did 585 on the squat. Yeah. A sophomore, they just turned 16, would have did over 600, but we shut the individual down and he's benching 355 and he's 230 pounds. That just didn't happen 25 years ago. Because I think people were not understanding that we got to take all these different ways of train and put them into a system 
and utilize them all because yes, it's not about how we look. It's not about a sport like Olympic weightlifting or powerlifting. It's about what are they doing on the court, the field, the diamond and everything else. And each individual is a little bit different and people have to understand that. And it's not a linear curve on getting better all the time. It's just like athletics. You're going to have little slumps. You're going to have, it's going to be a little roller coaster, but at the end of the three, four years, like you always say, or the training process of being consistent of watering it, that's when you see the big, huge gains. And that's what's important. And one thing with the conjugate system that we really like, it's finding those weaknesses. And when you find the weaknesses, you still build on the person's, the athlete's strengths, but you bring the weaknesses up and that helps keep them injury-free or lessen the degree of the injury because you're balancing things out like the bodybuilders do. They're balancing their body and they're not balancing it for injury prevention. They're balancing it for the looks, how they look on stage because that's a, that's an actual sport. That's how they're getting judged. And then you look at the maximal effort day, and I know you can talk way more about this than I can, but you talk about that maximal effort, that's your powerlifting. You know, that is being able to exert as many fast switch muscle fibers as you can in the human body. And let's be honest, people want to see what they can do. Right. You know, people that lift weights, say, oh, how much you bench, right? How many times have you heard that? Right. How much you squat? And it's a motivator for individuals. Let's, let's be honest. Everything that we make sure we put down for data and measurables, people want to get better. And that's a motivator for individuals. And you talk about Olympic weightlifting, moving, moving weight fast in, in a way that is conducive to your environment, to, to your setting, to your numbers, to the, the, the age of your athletes, to whatever situation is very important because you have to do that in athletics. But Olympic weightlifting, as we always mention, is very, very technical. Right. And you have to make sure you have, you're very mobile, you have core strength, you have to teach, 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 teach it. I mean, we have one of the best Olympic weightlifters, you know, and Coach Mary down at UW Oshkosh, and she is doing, you know, the, uh, the Olympic training right now for USA, and she'll constantly tell you she's tweaking with technique to get better. And this is somebody that's been doing it for years and years and years and years. Let's be honest. A lot of our athletes that come in a weight room, they don't want to spend all day learning technique and getting perfect they want to spend their time wisely and get better in the skill of their sport so like i always say the quickest way to get uh, a great workout and to get an adaptation where the athlete gets better is the best scenario for us and get them out of the weight room as long as you come out better than what you came in that's what it's all about you don't have to be in there for two three hours four hours it's get in do it right Make sure you're doing the stuff after you leave to recover the body and then spend the most of your time in the skill of your sport and really honing in and getting better in whatever their real passion is. That's the key because you saw it at Wisconsin, Brian. A lot of those individuals, they love football, right? They loved it or they love their other sport because you coach other sports as well, not just football when you were down there, but they don't, they don't love the weight room but they understand the weight room is going to help them in their sport. Well, I think, you know, as you're talking about like middle school to high school, you know, kids go through puberty. All right. So they're going to gain weight. All right. So 
how are you going to propel your body down the track or down the field? All right. If you're not getting stronger because you have to move more mass, same thing with jumping. All right. The way you do that is you get stronger. Okay. And kind of to close this question out, Dean, this is, this is something I believe in. Um, I'm kind of tired of watching the social media stuff. So this is going to be my statement moving forward. You can squat the dogs and feed the cats at the same time. Absolutely. I love squat that. The dogs right? and feed the cats at the same time. If you disagree, you don't have to listen to us anymore. But at the end of the day, you know, strength, absolute strength. If nothing else, if you don't think it helps performance, it helps injury prevention. Because at the end of the day, if you're, if you got a Ferrari engine and you're not putting, you know, some protective, you know, juice in it, all right, the Ferrari engine is going to break down. That's what strength is for your body. All right. If you continue to create these high overpowered athletes with no strength, all right, that's when you have guys break down. We, you know, we see guys that are quote unquote, big and slow. You know, I hear that all the time. Okay. Big and slow guys or girls typically don't have these catastrophic injuries. It's the athletes that are overpowered with a low strength index are the typical ones that they stick their foot in the ground, the ACL breaks. All right. They, they have no deceleration mechanism. So they tear their hamstring off the bone. All right. You have to have strength to protect, protect your athletes. Dog. Brian, I always like when you know you can't take a, a four-cylinder Prius engine and put it in a Ferrari and expect it to go fast. Correct. Dog, question three. Let's do it. Moving on. Guys, the bench, squat, and deadlift seem to be testable movements. Good start to the question, by the way. <clears throat> what auxiliaries do you recommend to offset volume of work in these movements? Train the chain, baby. Train. Couldn't agree more, Brian. I Train couldn't chain. agree more. Um, you know, at the end of the day, the reason when you start looking at testing athletes or you look at, you know, max effort exercises, okay, this is, this is a statement of fact. The reason that you do not hit a certain weight is because one area of the body is not strong enough to sustain that movement pattern. Okay, whether it's a squat, whether it's a bench, whether it's a deadlift, whether it's a clean, you know, whatever, you know, single, whatever you want to talk about, we're talking bench, squat, deadlift. A certain area of the body is not strong enough or isn't up to the strength level of other parts of the body to sustain the correct movement pattern. So for us, typically we see with the bench, it's the upper back strength or tricep strength. Okay, so we do a ton of chest support rows, um, both heavy and for volume. Okay, and we do a ton of tricep exercises. A couple of our favorite tricep exercises are tape presses. If you don't know what a tape press is, go on YouTube, you can see that. Um, for volume, we love banded tricep extensions. And I see people in our gym see that all the time. For the squat and the deadlift, everybody it's reverse hypers. At the end of the day, you know, we do four to six times the load volume in squat or, or in reverse hypers that we use on our, our squat and deadlift days. Uh, we're doing those two to three times a week. Kids come in extra to do extra reverse hypers. Um, you know, we do them lighter weight, higher volume. I know Lucas has had kids do up to 100 reps in a row. We've had kids do that. The low back is typically the area, you know, in the squat and the deadlift where most kids will break down, right? They cave forward. They can't stabilize the body. Um, but the thing with the low back, guys, 
is that it's made up of connective tissue. Um, there's not a lot of blood flow to that area. So you have to train it with higher volume. All right. And what happens the first time we do reverse hypers? Kids get sore. All right. Kids get sore because their low back is weak. Typically, we don't train and, and trainers and strength coaches, we, we shy away from training the low back because of the soreness that the kids get. That's normal because they're weak in that area. And we have to bring that area up for injury prevention, for them to hit a bigger number in some of these other exercises. Um, and the last thing before I let you take it, Dean, we don't just bench and squat and deadlift to make those numbers better. All right. Like, you know, with our conjugate method that we use at Sports Advantage, we straight bar bench press once every 10 weeks and our kids continue to get stronger we free squat once every 11 weeks our kids get stronger same thing with the deadlift whether it's conventional or sumo style all right so it's finding the auxiliaries that kids where they break down in those exercises and then adding those into your program but i tell you what training the chain is is a is a great way to start you know, I think most, in my experience being a high school teacher and training athletes, Brian, is the biggest thing that most, especially the boys, is always going to want to work on the show muscles, the ABCs, I call them, the abs, the biceps, and the chest. And once they <laughs> are training the go muscles, the go muscles are the muscles that they don't see when they look in the mirror. So the show muscles, you look in the mirror, it's the ABCs, abs, bicep, chest. The go muscles, when we talk about athletic performance, is the posterior chain. And the go muscles, when I sit and stare at the mirror, I'm not seeing. And that's the glutes, the hamstrings, the back, the, where, where most of our muscle mass, by the way, most research in textbooks will tell you about 75% of your muscle mass is in that backside, that posterior yep. chain. So it's so important to work that as far as one, injury prevention. When I think of your hamstrings gotta be 75% or greater than your quad strength, which is your thigh. If it's less than that, you're much more prone to injure that joint that is you know, in that area, which is probably gonna be your knee that's gonna get injured. So we talk about it, us humans, 85% of our day, we're doing a unilateral exercise and it's called walking. You know, some people walk 20,000 steps a day. You look at the athletes that in your sport, lots of times they only have to be able to do a quarter squat. So what happens when you do those repetitive movements over and over and over and over is the quads even get stronger. And the glutes, because so many people nowadays sit down too much, and we know that research will say your hip flexor is going to tighten up. Your glutes are going to shut off. I even so so many people have even said that's the new smoking of this era. Yes. It's sitting. is sitting because it's killing kids. It's video games. It's I'm in that kyphotic position where my shoulders are rotating because I'm always looking at my phone or I'm always sitting playing video games or watching Netflix or whatever. So it's even more important than it was 25 years ago, Brian, when we started this thing, it started training athletes because so many kids are sedentary. They're not doing the playing outdoors like we did when we were kids. 
So a lot of it is, is working that posterior chain to get that good posture. Because if all we do is bench press, and I, I was a, a great example of this because when I was young and I started lifting weights, the bench press was everything. You know, how much you bench, how much you bench. So if I want to get that bench up, you know, you're constantly bench pressing. And then guess what happens when you don't do the posterior work, the upper back, the traps, the shoulders, all that. What happens is all of a sudden I start getting shoulder pain because your back is weak. And now you got that muscular imbalance. And that's one thing we learned that the bodybuilding you know, that, that population was right on. It was huge for getting the front side and the back side taken care of so that if that's pretty equal, your chance of injury is a lot less. We take the body and we take our left side of our body and our right side of the body, and they're pretty equal. Now, there's going to be some differences because our dominant side is going to take over. And kids, I, it, all the time I get this where these athletes will go to a specialist and they'll say their right side is stronger than their left. It's going to be, you swing a baseball bat a hundred, 200, 500 times a day, and you've done everything because your right hand dominant, it's going to be stronger. It's just the way the body works. If there's a big extreme difference, yes, now your chance of injury is going to go and it's going to skyrocket, but it doesn't mean you're going to get injured athletes. And then the last big injury prevention thing that we always talk about is you can't be the person that's at the YMCA. Or I always say the crunch fitness or any type of fitness that is stereotypical of all they're working is the upper body and then they're not working the lower body. So now they're top heavy skinny and now skinny you're going to be an individual that's going to get hurt, right? No skinny jeans. Get hurt. No skinny jeans. No skinny no, jeans. No skinny. And that individual is going to get hurt. Right. So athletes, when you come to your school or you come to your coach and say, I'm working out at the YMCA or I'm working out at a place that doesn't um, have the reputation or the know-how of increasing athletic performance, just because you're lifting, you might be hurting yourself more than you're helping yourself. For example, if you're doing a quarter squat and you're not getting down to parallel, all you're doing is making more of a muscle imbalance. And now with everybody play, 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 play more, all year round and you play, 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 for example, the basketball kid that's going to go play five, six games on the weekend, and you're going to be quad dominant. You need to be in that weight room just to make sure you get your hips, your glutes and hamstrings strong, just so you can balance your body. So you don't blow your knee. And that's what people have to understand. They have to, all they're doing is making things worse. And you have to be educated on it. And that's why you go to Sports Advantage. I know if you come into the Kimberly weight room, we're going to educate you on that. Because it's this is the reason why we have to do this. Is because a great vehicle is awesome when it's working good. But a great vehicle, once it needs repairs, is no good. And if you're not available, your best ability is your availability in sports. And what's happening right now, Heard it. as we see it, Coach Bot and myself is more and more kids are getting hurt at a much younger age. And a lot of that can be preventable if you're on a sound weight program and you're balancing out your body. Well, and I think, you know, looking at those three movements, Dean, um, I go back to when I was at Wisconsin, you know, um, 
you also have to look at in season, you know, and we deal with football kids, you know, but even like volleyball girls, they're in a quarter squat, you know, receiving the ball, you know, baseball players and uh, basketball players are in a quarter squat when they play defense, receive a ground ball football. My guys were in, you know, O-line stance. Um, and then the other thing is, you know, our O-linemen, they're punching all the time, you know, volleyball players, pitchers, you're throwing overhead, stuff like that. So again, to increase those exercises, you know, the injury preventative part of it is you have to also look at what they're doing during their competitive season. So we took the volume of those two exercises, the squat and the bench completely out. You know, we never did more than a double in the squat for 12 weeks. We never did more than a double in the bench for 12 weeks. And our guys got stronger. Why? Because we took the volume they had at practice, equated it into our strength program and did a ton of rowing exercises for their upper body, seated rows, cable rows, uh, pull downs, um, single arm rows, chest support rows, you know, re reverse flies, because you have to offset the volume of work they're having in practice. Um, for the lower body, same thing. You know, we did a ton of RDLs. Uh, we did a, a ton of other posterior hamstring, glute ham, back extensions, reverse hypers, things like that to not only have injury preventative thought process, but also to bump those exercises. Our guys squatted, you know, we had four guys, you know, at the end of the 2010 season PR in the squat and they were hardly doing the exercise. So it comes down to finding the areas where the exercise breaks down at a heavy load. And that's why to me, Dean, one are, you know, doing a one rep. Okay. is so important, you know, because you can do a set of three, you know, and try and equate it. Um, I don't believe in that for this simple reason that the first rep you hit pretty good. The second rep, maybe so, so, but the third rep, you know, are you breaking down because you're weak or because you can't handle doing a triple? The single is you either get it or you don't. And when you're watching a single, I can see where they break down, you know, do their elbows flare on the, on the bench. Do they round forward in the squat? Are they up on their toes right there? Now you got, now you can see where their areas of weaknesses under load. Okay. And then you can address it with your auxiliaries. Doing a single to me is much safer than doing a triple. So any other thoughts on this dog before we shut her down? Well, I love these questions. Answer. We could go on and on forever, but uh, it's some great information. And um, I'm glad we get to voice our experience over 50 years of, of training athletes and everything keeps evolving and, and it's just great. And I hope our listeners are understanding this, that, that weight room is about injury prevention as much as it is athletic performance. Well, we're going to shut this one down, Dean. That was a great episode. We appreciate the questions coming in. Um, you know, so, Keep them coming. And, 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 you know, DJ, you know, the rock, you know, if you're looking for a new guy to, to get after you, you know, I'm, I'm one call away, Brian at sportsadvantage.com. but get your kids stronger, balance your kids out and get after them for the rest of the summer here. We will see you next time. Chop it. <laughs>